You're listening to Right Where You Are, hosted by New York Times bestselling author, creator, and speaker, Jason Wright. With inspiring guest interviews and Jason's unique lens on life, this is the place to see the good in the world, to lift and be lifted, no matter your starting point, to make a difference that matters. And we'll do it all together, right where you are. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Right Where You Are. This is Jason Wright. We're glad that you're here. As always, we start with a little ask. If you wouldn't mind taking a minute to share the episode, share it on social media, text it to a friend, uh, text it to your grandma, text it to my grandma, text it to all the grandmas. Right, Whitney? All <laughs> I mean, the that's, grandmas. that's what I've heard. Grandmas every, love it. Grandmas every love grandma. Texts. Grandma. Tweet at them. They'll get it. <laughs> Uh, share the episode. We always appreciate that. That's how we grow our little family. All right. So my regular listeners know we start normally with an intro where I sort of set up a little bit of background and then we reveal who the guests are. But folks, I am like live with our guests in person. We're remote here in Winchester, Virginia. Um, so I'm just going to let my guests tell us who they are and real quickly why you're here. Uh, well, I'm Whitney Call. I'm Mallory Everton. Uh, we both uh, used to be the, well, we are. <laughs> we are the, uh, from the main team, creating Studio C. Yes. We acted and wrote on that show for six years. Six years. And Nine then moved seasons. on to JK Studios, where we formed it with all of our uh, coworkers from Studio C. Made some web series there. Yeah. And then uh, in 2020, Mallory and I made a film called Stop and Go. And it uh, got into South by Southwest Film Festival in January of 2021 um, under the title Recovery. Um, and now we're here in Winchester at the Lost Weekend Film Festival. And we're getting to just to have the whole festival experience. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. And Andy, who runs this festival, is a gem of a man. Oh, um, beautiful. Any of my local listeners who attended any of the Christmas jars screenings um, at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester. No Andy, because he has just been such a huge supporter of me, the film, the movement behind it. Welcome! Andy. Whoa, Andy in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Andy, introduce yourself. Who I was here you? the whole time, by the way, in case you were wondering. As Isn't a podcast... It? I was wondering. I was here, it's just very silent, is how that all works. <laughs> well, my name... Yes, so I am Andy Garrison, and I run a little. Say that film last name again. Garrison. I've known you like a decade. I've never known how to pronounce your last name. Yeah. I always just call you Andy G. Yeah, and I, that's how I prefer it. It's a much. Dif- it is a difficult last name. It's like a that stage an name, Andy, uh, Andy G. Where is it from? Czech. I'm a Czech, Ooh, it's Czech last name. Guys. And I know that because when I was young, my father would send me to school on St. Patrick's Day with a badge that said Czech, not Irish. Oh. Sort of an extra so you were forward. Proud forward. Was it green? First of all, it was. Oh, it was also handwritten and put in like one of those sort of like I had just gone to a business conference. Like uh, a little shield name badge and that sort of thing. That was sort of. But I wore it for five years. It was an honor when oh. I wore it for those five years and that sort of thing. Uh, but I would think that my claim to fame is that I connect our community with great films, and so I have been able to uh, been able to do that through the Alamo Draft House which has been a privilege and an honor to be able to do that. And so I've partnered with them. We show films every week to support Art House International Festival favorites, independent films here in Winchester. Our philosophy is 
let's not drive to DC to support these films. Why can't we do it here at mm -hmm. home and support locally in the process as well? And so through that film uh, gatherings that we've been doing, we've started with 100 members. We're now up to 3,500 members. Uh, we have put together a film festival. And that film festival is called Lost Weekend. Uh, and we are celebrating our 14th this weekend film awesome. festival, wow. which is so exciting. cool. Yeah, so cool. So um, I want to talk. I want to talk about the film, obviously, uh, that I'm super excited to see tonight. By the time most people listen to this, the film will hopefully be available on demand, streaming on demand, on demand. October one. Yeah, October one. It'll yeah. be in select theaters. I still don't know what that means. Awesome. We're, it'll be in some <laughs> theaters. Select. It will be in select theaters. Do we Hopefully. get to select the theaters? <laughs> not uh, us. Not us. <laughs> Someone that is very smart will figure that out, but we don't know yet. But people that want to see the film will find the film on, on October demand. 1st. On yeah. demand. And uh, awesome. shameless plug, yes. obviously. Mm -hmm. If you are listening and you have a local theater in your hometown... I would encourage you to write to them or call them and ask them to play this film because it needs to be heard and seen with a community and an audience. Mm -hmm. Plus, to support your local theater right now is very important. So important. So the yeah. streaming is very nice, and I appreciate all of that. Sure. Uh, but if you can find a way to bring it locally, I would encourage you to do so. Amen, brother. That. Amen to that. So uh, I am sort of selfishly here with you today because I am a crazy fan from the early, early, early days. This guy came up to me at church um, and said, this was years ago, and said, are you familiar with this new show? It's on BYU television, which I don't even, I'm not even sure I got then. Mm -hmm. It's it's called Studio C and it's like SNL for families. And I said, that sounds awful. <laughs> right? It, is that really, really going to be funny? The log line is uh, underwhelming. Right? It's like SNL, but like way clean and boring. <laughs> so I don't know if he, his name is Steve Vorhauer, and his license plate says Studio C. No. What? Yes. I will get you a picture of it. He wow. lives in Charlestown, West Virginia. I hope you're listening, Steve. And so he's the one that sort of first introduced me to the show. And then, you know, my family, my kids, we, we started talking about the show. That's how something grows ultimately, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There's no marketing like word of mouth. And we just wouldn't shut up about the show. So talk to us a little bit, just real quick, about the beginning of Studio C. And I sort of want to know what that family felt like because i think mm -hmm. most people that have watched the show feel like mm -hmm. that cast was just a bunch of weird siblings that made comedy yeah. on the weekends or after that's school. pretty true it is i mean we all started we got our start together from our college group divine comedy which was a stage sketch group at byu uh, brigham young university and um we all joined in various years, I think Matt and Natalie in the group joined in 2007, all the way to 2011 was when Stacy yeah. and Steven joined. But a couple of us joined every year. And um, Divine Comedy was a very tight-knit family-feeling group because it was a labor of love. It was a club on campus, basically. It was right. live comedy. It was, it was like live sketch. Yeah, and yes. it was for our college community. Mm -hmm. And um, we did start doing YouTube videos right toward the end. We did. I mean, we were doing YouTube videos, but we didn't really have a large presence as Divine Comedy. It well, was YouTube more... didn't have a large presence when we started. Right. Oh, seven. Right. So it was just pe like, people were still figuring out what to do with mm -hmm. YouTube in general. Right. 
but we we started out just kind of making stuff for our college community right. together. And so it was a lot of um, late nights and, you know, you'd do a show. We'd do a show every month, basically. It basically felt like a double major. So I was majoring in film. You were majoring in, in English. English mm-hmm. And it was like you had a double major in sketch comedy. Because you, you, were, you were putting on those shows with just a bunch of group. A group it was auditioned. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it was just like we just volunteered to do all this extra work on top of our regular school load. So it was hard. But it really did form a community for us of this group, this group of people who, I mean, when you're auditioning people that you're going to do all of this extra work with, you also want it to be people that you just genuinely like to be around. Right. Talent would maybe almost come second to just how how easy is it to be around this person, to do hard things, to do hard work. And so really it was like auditioning a bunch of best friends, uh, kind of that vibe. And so we did that group, Divine Comedy, for, oh, some of us five years. Um, But then in 2012, Matt Meese from the group went over to BYU TV. Well, they had approached them in 2009 as well, but it wasn't the time. And so in 2011, I guess, he approached BYU TV and said, we have a following, we have an audience, we have content, and it's cheap. Would you like to have it? And yeah. uh, so they they put together a little capture, I guess. They brought in an audience full of our fans, which was so great. On campus, there were just so many um, great fans that supported us. They came. It went so well, even though the the setup was uh, very thrown together. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, it, it got greenlit. And we started season one in 2012. Uh and from there, it just kept going. So that's a really long answer of <laughs> saying that we are a family. It's become family at this point. It's no longer friendships. It's the people that you argue with, you have, you butt heads, you gossip about, and then you throw <laughs> your arms around them and help them through anything. Um, that's the group that we are now. In fact, a bunch of us live next to each other. That's true. Maybe unhealthy, <laughs> but uh, we all found a bunch of plots of land in a cul-de-sac in uh, in Provo, Utah. That and sounds sort of like a compound. It, we we it? call it jokingly the, call it the compound. Yes, yeah. but we did say you know just no one have an affair because if that happens, <laughs> this will be ruined. We'll Don't all have ruin to move away. There are a lot of reasons why the affair might be a bad idea. Yeah. Well, but that yeah, was that top. Was. <laughs> but the top is don't screw up our gorgeous our friendships. Property value. Genuinely, though. Yes. So the the sketch that I, I sort of remember, like this is now grown outside my close friends or my my church friends mm-hmm. was probably Scott Sterling. Oh yeah, is oh, that sure. true? Is that the first that, was that our, like that was the explosion? Up? Our that was our first viral hit. We had actually put in a lot of money to publicize a different project at the same time from Studio C. It was a Hunger Games set of sketches. They were all musical, and it was when one of the Hunger Games movies was coming out, and so there was a lot of publicity. In fact, I think it showed at. Was it an Alamo Draft House in Texas? I know someone I know. texted Stephen from back home saying one of your Studio C sketches uh, showed up before the the movie. Um, mm. Scott Sterling was one of those sketches that we just uh, Matt wrote it. We actually waited a couple seasons to film it because it, it had just, to be filmed a certain type of time yeah. of year. I mean, it's the perfect it's the perfect representation of the fact that you have no idea 
Mm-hmm. You're always guessing what's going to connect and how it's going to connect. You know, use all the skills that you have and all the experience you have to create something. But especially, I think sketch comedy is a great example of like, <laughs> nobody ever knows. Something can kill in the room. Mm-hmm. And then something something about getting it into like, now it's on its feet. Now people are actually saying the words. Now it's in front of people can sometimes kill it or change it or Goes off without a hitch. Everything's perfect, but people just don't like it. Mm-hmm. And it it's it it was a to be, great way to learn. To clarify, people did like the Hunger oh, Games. Yeah, they if, did. If Dave ever listens to this podcast, <laughs> Dave was the writer of these sketches. But it was they they went well. It just was so interesting that they had so much publicity behind them, and then this thing that was exactly thrown out there around the same time just took off and really put us on the map. I think it ended up on Sports Center at one oh, yeah. point. Oh yeah, didn't they talked yeah. about it? Mm-hmm. It was. It was so massive because football is like the biggest sport in the world. I'm talking about football in the international sense, obviously. Right. Right. And I, I, like, there were some countries where they we had heard Croatia had, in had Croatian they they had reported that Scott Sterling had died. <laughs> like they, they thought, thought it was news. a real person. Right. It wasn't right. necessarily clear that it was a sketch because a friend it of wasn't ours from they Germany. Were, they didn't speak the language anyway. So. It was on a newspaper in Germany. It just, well, when things get shared so around, great. like occasionally so we great. think an Onion article is real or yeah. whatever. You know, yeah. like your mm-hmm. mom or whoever mm-hmm. might be like, what is this true? And then you, it takes you a second to realize it's a video from the Onion. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it went viral like a cat video. It was just everywhere it was. for a little bit. So that really, I think, bumped us up to a new level of attention and, and eyes and I think opened some more doors for us of, of yeah, the kind of uh, ceiling that we really had. Yeah, it, de- it for sure helped limitless. legitimize the property to a degree because if you can imagine a sketch comedy show on a network connected to a religion and a university is not exactly everyone's go-to place for comedy. Right. <laughs> we were, we right. were going from like, you know, maybe, a, a had we hit a, a video that had a million views yet? I think we might have by that point. By that I, point, I maybe. Remember. But then it just was like every video within days would get a million, like no problem. Cause it just, it drew in a lot of people. So then much like Saturday night live, which is obviously the natural sort of comparison, um, cast come and go. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 folks that have been on Saturday Night Live over the last how what is it forty years, whatever. It's yeah, been, yeah. It's un, unreal. I mean, you can almost think of any comedian, mm-hmm. any film you've seen. They've been they were either a cast member or, or a writer, been a or writer, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But your situation is a little different because this family, these yeah. crazy quasi siblings, decide the original ten. The original ten decide mm-hmm. that's. We have grown this. We have loved this. We have been grateful for this opportunity. And now it's time to go do something else and stretch ourselves in a new and insanely scary way, mm, yeah. leaving in mass and starting JK Studio. So talk a little bit about kind of what that felt like. Well, it was, it, I think we were starting to feel the ceiling at our network of just recognizing that we have so many projects we want to do and we don't just want to do them at a network. We want to create them. We want to write. We want to, some of us wanted to produce or direct mm-hmm. and we wanted to do more than sketch. Um, some of us want to do more than comedy. It just, it, it was this whole world that we knew we've been here for six years. We could stay here forever if we want, but most of us, that's not where we want to end up. And so um, I think going down certain avenues 
made us realize it wasn't going to be at that network that we would be able to do everything we wanted mm -hmm. to do. So um, we ended up talking to some very visionary people who were able to, to, I guess, paint the landscape of what it could look like creating our own content as our own business. Um, it convinced everyone. It, uh, it convinced everyone to make the jump. I think some of us were already planning on leaving. Right. Like I'd already put in my notice. I was kind of doing my last season, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. just trying to finish out the year mm -hmm. and everything. I know Matt was on his way out too. Yeah. It was his last I, season. I was and on my I way like out. You were too, right? It was, it was going to be, yeah, some of us are last season, but at that point we, it kind of, I think made everyone feel safer that, Hey, if we're going to jump, let's all jump. Let's take the, uh, whatever attention that we have with us and help it be our new platform that we can build off of. It felt like a safe choice, the safest it could feel to leave a 401k and health insurance and right. salaries right. To, to kind of go into the, the freelance world. But I mean, we had no idea. We really didn't. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm super grateful for the chapter in our lives, but it was like falling out of a womb into a bush. It was in, a giraffe birth right there. <laughs> like, wow, that's very specific. <laughs> just, you really nailed it. Yeah, I, I like, I, I will not lie. So, so hard. So grateful for the experience though. I mean, I think we all have just like quivers full of, uh, full of new skills we didn't have before. So, so grateful for it, but it was very, very hard. It was. And, and that's when we, we turned our, I think that's when our friendship elevated too, because it was, it was, oh, you got to level up. Yeah. It was people that we worked with as actors and writers that then we had to work with as business partners. Mm, yeah. uh, and we all moved in together. And it you know? is very much like a, a family business, you know, when yeah. you're, when you care so much about everybody involved, mm -hmm. but that every, every conversation is a little bit more fraught, you know, it's not just like, here's the bottom line. It's like, I care about this person. I love them. I want them to grow. I want to grow. How do we do this together? So much more emotionally taxing, mm -hmm. but you know, in the long run, I'm really, really proud of the way we all operated through that mm -hmm. juncture. I think there were ups and downs and there will sure. continue to be, but I'm really proud of our group of friends, they're good people. They're our family. Yeah. Family. I love that. And you, this family sort of creates freelancers, which mm -hmm. becomes, I think, mm -hmm. kind of the breakout. Am I right there? Yeah. It yeah. was something I'd pitched when we were at BYU TV. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of ready to go. Mm -hmm. So when we needed content for JK, it was like, Mal's mm -hmm. got a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I tried to, I just sort of like fumbled my way into trying to become a showrunner. Um, and it forced me to learn all kinds of different things, a lot more about producing and coordinating than I've ever had to do at Studio C. And I did a lot of things wrong for sure, but it allowed, uh, it allowed, um, us to kind of figure out how to make web series. We're able to do two seasons of freelancers. The second one we're in post-production on mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. and two seasons of loving life as well, which is a Satirical, oh, satirical yeah. influencer show that Whitney and Natalie and I mm -hmm. made together. Yeah, so. That's fantastic. My daughters introduced me to that, and it's so on point. It's oh, thank great. you. It's totally something we've never done before. Satire is just a different it's beast. More biting. I know but it's not I love tea, it. We really enjoyed because that, that is that a show. community that really should take it. <laughs> oh, it's just so easy to. It's just so 
like there's a mind there, right? Well, I love that uh, that content is coming out on the platform with those other yep. people. It's I like, know. Hi, and Natalie, <laughs> Natalie is friends with a lot of influencers, and so she would say. Well, let's let's be careful about this kind of joke because my friend so and so that uh, happened to her. Uh, or we'll be careful about this because it will clearly be obvious that we're we're referencing we're, we're referencing yeah, them. Yeah. Yes. you know. So it's it's been an interesting. It was an interesting thing. To but work she on. she also said a lot of her friends who are in that world just laugh at it because they say I am like that. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. good. Yeah, it's that they're in on it. I've always heard that about satire. That if you're lucky, it works for both sides. Yeah, you know. Some people are like, yeah, it's so true. And other people are like, that's so funny. That's them. Right. right. <laughs> so let's talk about the next step, yeah. which is the two of you deciding, you know what? We've been BFFs forever, which I don't think we mentioned. The two of you yeah. grew, we grew up, up together, together yeah, in Portland. In Portland we met when we were eight. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So did you imagine when you were eight, first of all, that we would go through a global Oh. And secondly, I was counting on that. You would say, you know what? I can just imagine this phone call. So, hey, Mallory, like, this would be a perfect time to make our first feature film. <laughs> like, let's, like, this feels right. Tell me how that conversation rolled out. Oh, gosh. You know what? We, I think we always knew that we wanted to create things together because that is what we did as kids. It is, actually. In college, we would always look at each other and say, can you believe we're doing what we did when we were eight nine so ten years we're, old we're getting to make funny videos for fun just and but then at, at the time it, it was became, like well but then we'll have to go get real jobs and then we didn't we got, we jobs, got jobs as sketch comedians together yeah. which is so pretty great. magical and then from there you know we made jk and it was like wow we're still doing this so during the pandemic i think we both faced this immediate halting of right. just every i mean we had personal and uh, company projects that just stopped dead in their tracks. Right. Like everyone, you know, we experienced this depression of what is my life worth in this mm. career? Like, what is my career worth if it can stop so easily, if it's so sensitive that it can just burst? Uh, I, that's, I mean, it for sure is existential, existential for everyone, right? You're suddenly mm-hmm. asking yourself questions that are like what? What is? What are the act? What is like the sinew, the DNA of my actual life? And yeah. when you know, because suddenly you're literally not, not essential. You're, oh yeah, right. You are not essential, mm-hmm. and right. you you realize I have made my whole life around something that can be taken away, hmm. and it it definitely threw us for a loop. We we had about three months, I think, where we were both going crazy in different ways. Yeah. I got a pottery wheel because yeah. I was way into the great pottery <laughs> throwdown. I was tracking my bowel movements. <laughs> Wow, that is a lot of very specific information. Which I was going to bring up that you puzzled. You did puzzles. I did puzzles. But you did puzzles. Monty. I took a sitcom writing class over Zoom. I like. I mm-hmm. tried to. I tried to stay productive, and mm-hmm. I was. Tra- yeah, I was tracking my gut health for well, a bit. Sounds like you were really productive. <laughs> I, don't, I, it, I don't know. I was definitely. I had an obsessive, like seriously, fifteen to like five to fifteen minute increment all day schedule that wow. I would make every wow. single day. Wow, you'll do this, but you would. You would. <laughs> but kind by, of, like by like two p.m., I was always just like 
in a pile of cookies. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it, it was an exhausting, uh, just like kind of 80, because I have ADHD, like just a horrible frenzy all the time. This might be a good time to just mm-hmm. remind folks, we will, of course, in the show notes, be including links to some of their uh, best Studio C sketches, oh, the JK Studios work, and maybe to Mallory's charts. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. There are no like. pictures. A PDF. It's just you know. information. <laughs> yeah, just information and times and stuff. So great. <laughs> well, and, and Mallory and I had started, well, with another friend, we'd started this writer's group where we were just pitching oh, yeah. pitching all of our projects back and forth. And Mal and I have always just talked, you know, what we got we to gotta make, let's make a movie, let's make a TV show, let's do something. We were so inspired by, by Fleabag and the, the mm. changing nature of how uh, shows can be constructed. Yeah. Coles were. It, it was such a, a great time for us to feel like it's doable, it's reachable, we can do something. And you always run into that problem of how do we fund it? How do we, how do we get it in process? Um, and it's so funny because we talk to people about, you know, when we when we had this idea for for stop and go, we were going to self fund it, and we thought you know maybe for forty thousand we can make this movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people thought, gee, that's like a ton of money. And I said, no, 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 like, <laughs> no, it's like no, a no. penny or whatever, hay penny or whatever, a hen penny. I mean, that's that's pre production on a small film. Yes, on uh, a small indie. Film. Right, exactly. It yeah. it was basically we I think month three into the pandemic. Decided, you know what? We've been sit, we've been puttering around long enough. This is the time. We're not doing anything right now. We have no no jobs stopping us from creativity right now. So why don't we take something that maybe has been stewing around in our heads and what can we actually make? Yeah, it was really just us asking the question. Hey, I, I feel like I remember asking you. I was like, would you be game mm-hmm. to just like make a feature if we just made it as small mm-hmm. as we possibly could. Like maybe we won't get all the way through the process, but we can just start it. It'll give us something to talk about it. It'll day demystify or... the process yeah. of making a feature. You know, we're just gonna make something that like what is what is a thing that we could make right now mm-hmm. during this very restricted and depressing time? Mm-hmm. Is there anything and and you were just immediately game, which you're yes. always you are, are always game. Well, well you had reload had you relocated yeah, from I, I, LA back already uh, to Utah see. to be closer had, to the gang. I, when we first started talking, I was still in LA, still there. Okay. but then I came and I, I moved into my sister's house for a little bit in Mapleton. I still had my place in LA, but I I moved in with my sister just to have more community around me. I had I have three amazing nieces and nephews there in Mapleton, and so I got to kind of join my sister's family for got a little it. while. It was really fun. At least it really helped. I like stopped crying every eight minutes. <laughs> well, so. and, and you wouldn't have made a movie if you'd been in LA. I mean, obviously, it's, right. it's true. The fact that we we were able to meet together and and start chatting was 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 definitely very helpful. It was definitely a, a snowball effect, kind of. We once we got wild. started talking about things. It was I, like end of June yeah. that we started talking, and I I had a previous concept for a television show that was. Um, a road trip idea of two sisters going cross country, and we uh, we kind of started on that, thinking that a, a car movie would be simpler. Again, we had never made anything like that before, and had no like people people have since said if you had told us that you were going to make a road trip comedy about. That, that took place during the pandemic, I would have told you that all of those things were bad ideas. Uh-huh. 
Especially when we're like, maybe with 40K? It's like yeah. crazy, <laughs> crazy. But I'm glad we were that naive. Yeah, and, we, we did it. You know? We made the jump. And it the, the plot just really rolled out for us. We wrote the once first we, draft in two weeks. Hmm. Yeah, because we'd been talking about the road trip thing at first. And then once we thought of that, uh, once the, the rescue portion of mm-hmm. the movie, because it's about two sisters who go on a road trip to save their Nana from a nursing home that's had a COVID outbreak. Mm-hmm. We weren't intending to write a COVID anything. No. We just wanted to make something. But when that happened, it just, sometimes you just like hit a channel and you can see like, oh, we're moving now. So I guess we should, we should stay in this pocket here. Mm-hmm. Um, we got an outline out in two days and then we started writing. And the, I think it was the first day we started writing. I looked at, I guess I was feeling sassy. <laughs> I looked at the Sundance deadlines because I was thinking, if we do make this, we'll want to submit. And who wants to submit a COVID movie in 2022? I mean, I don't even, I mean, especially at that time, we're still sort of like, who knows how the, long this thing will last. But at the time we were like, will it be over by then? Like, right. will this be old news? Will everyone want to shoot themselves thinking about watching something about the pandemic? Like, is this going to be super offensive to everybody? Mm-hmm. We had no idea. So was we like, we should go for it if we're yeah, going to go for essence. it. And the deadline, it was beginning of July. The deadline, the late deadline was October 1st or something yeah, October like that. October 2nd, something like that. <laughs> and we were like, should we do it? Do we try? And we both made the pact that as soon as it feels like the yeah. quality's dropping, we don't, we don't push ourselves. Like if we start feeling like we're cutting off limbs of ourselves or the project to get it done, mm-hmm. then it's not worth it. It's not worth going this fast. How long from the first the first day that you sat in outlined or oh, did yeah. your beat sheet or whatever? The beginning of July. From your first day on set. How long was that? That so it was like July fourth till July twenty seventh. You were on set three weeks after starting. Yeah, I never the drafting. did. I've never done that math before, but yeah, that is insane. We There's a reason the- you haven't done that. Math. First of all, you've been focused on we, other things. We, we didn't do that record math. keeping, but. but yeah, was we started writing the first week of July and we started shooting the last week of July. Yeah, that's. Yeah. And, really I think weird. that's exciting. And you're still married through this process. Yes. 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 Yeah. Whitney, yeah, tell Steve, us about that. Well, Stephen uh, was brought on as a co-director he, and producer. He, he was in the room when we were talking about it. And eventually I was like, because I've worked with, again, like so grateful to our experience with JK Studios because I really found a kindred spirit with, with Stephen in many ways. He's like got great taste and he's... I love working with people who are very detail oriented and really care. I want you to bring it. Like I, I always say this, but I'm like, I want someone who's really good at what they do and is so anal. Like I want to know that they're going to obsess about mm-hmm. their part of it mm-hmm. because that's what I do. And it's so nice to be like, they're going to obsess about that part. I'm going to obsess about this part. We're going to like really compliment each other. And he has a lot of really great, um, uh, really great instincts and vision and stuff. And I've been able to kind of co- work with him on the post-production of a couple of our series and thought he might like, if I'm going to be on screen for this whole crazy thing and we're going to shoot it this fast and we mm-hmm. need to shoot it super fast because we don't have very much money. I cannot direct this by myself. Mm. And I, I genuinely feel so lucky that someone I already had a relationship with that I'd already worked with and kind of knew we had a, a version of a shorthand mm-hmm. was going to be able to come and co-direct with me. 
And he was so supportive. He jumped on board. He said, what can I do? I mean, I feel terrible sometimes thinking about it. He was just like in that room, had no idea. We're like, we're going to like, we're just going to hold your head underwater and we're going to hold it there. Are you fine with that? (laughs) Just for three weeks. So this, um, so the film is shot. Yep. I get the sense that you're literally have just finished this thing we, as we yeah. sit here September it was two, two weeks of writing two weeks of pre-pro yeah. two weeks of filming and then mal and steven both worked on a, a first cut and got it out in two weeks right and the name changed tell us real quick about that because oh, it was yeah. recovery was your working title right and so the, and in this South is all Bayou, a year ago, it was recovery. Right? Yeah. so it, it's uh Basically, basically the I'm trying to think of the smoothest way to get to the name change because it was a long process. Well, it, I mean, the name we already knew was kind of a, a working title. We just it was so quick. We thought this feels okay. Let's put it out there. That was um, how we did everything. Mm-hmm. It was like if it works at all, stick and move. I mean, mm-hmm. I kept telling myself that in my head. It was like well, it's the only way to get it, it done if it's right working now. at all. Stick, move. You've got like a hundred other problems to solve every day. Mm-hmm. So you got to stick, move, keep going. You got to be really stretchy. Who was the first person to say maybe this should be called Stop and Go? Was it a partner? Oh, well, or yeah. was it? And that it was, was our distributor. Yeah. Oh. So after we had gotten into South by we after we had a secured distributor, the concern was recovery kind of sounds like it might harken to a drug drug recovery mm-hmm. program. We'd yeah. already gotten some notes about that. But I mean, that's that's going to be true in general. And then we tried to brainstorm. I we know, came up with yeah, 150, 100, 200 titles. Yeah. You're, we're talking about like the the Venn diagram of road trip comedy, also pandemic, but nothing too punny, nothing too nothing that dates. You it. don't want to date it. You don't. And it, it, anyway, ultimately, we never found something that we were like. I love this and it's perfect. I'm guessing that's true for many titles. Mm-hmm. I think titles are just, they're just brutally hard. Mm-hmm. But we ended up with something that we thought, we're not mad. We're not mad. <laughs> yeah. And, so. and Decal was so great about just making the decision for us because we just gave them a handful yeah. of things. We were like, we were like these pick seven or so feel <laughs> like they're okay. And they were like, this is the title. Great. We're moving on. It was awesome. Yeah. It was a relief for us to just have that conversation be done. As you fast forward to, because you didn't get to attend South by Southwest in person, yeah, right. Right? Yeah. it's all this weird virtual world still. Mm-hmm. So tonight, again, many people are listening to this after the fact, obviously, right. but, but tonight in Winchester, Virginia, with our good friend Andy, mm-hmm. you're going to sit in, in fact, people coming tonight don't even know they're going to be there yet, which is Correct. pretty cool. Correct. Right? We are oh, such yeah, a surprise. True. We are surprising. So I, can't, I, I cannot wait to, to be there tonight. It's going to be so much fun to sort of experience this. But for you... To be in a theater, I know just sort of at a personal level to see Christmas jars with fans in a theater was like I I bawled through most of it because it was like this baby that you've yeah. worked so hard is now in front of people that, you know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. That happens for you tonight. How do you feel? Mm. Are you a little bit terrified? We're maybe on different feet. I'm very excited. I'm a little trepidatious, but <laughs> I'm excited because I... Uh, I, I know from what experience we've had so far, it's connected with people. It's yeah. formed a connection. And that just makes my heart sing to know that people, that there are people out there who got it, who got what we were trying to say in our little hovel of a corner during the pandemic when we were going crazy and felt so isolated. Someone else out there was saying, hey, I took your message. 
and I found it. So if there are people in the audience tonight and I can I can feel that, I'm excited. I'm really excited to feel that connection. Yeah. And you're your Mallory, your your sense is a little more what? Well, I cut the film too. So I think that I and I'm I'm brutally, brutally hard on myself. I'm working on it. I have a therapist. I work really hard. But I um, I think that basically when you made the literal cuts and you're sitting there and you there were so many decisions that – I mean, we cut the film so vast. Mm-hmm. And usually I would love to test a comedy in front of an audience and hear where they're laughing and where there are pockets where it's like, oh, this, this isn't connecting. Cause it's our sketch these, background too. It's, it, it is. And this is, I mean, I've been doing this. I got into the group. I got involved with Divine Comedy in the first place as the videographer. Mm-hmm. So I would sit in all four shows every weekend and I would tweak my edits between mm-hmm. the, between the shows say, oh, they, they couldn't hear this line because they were laughing over it and they need to hear it to get the next joke. So I'm going to put a little bit more space oh, there. I'm going to wow. learn so much from it. Mm-hmm. I love, love that piece of it. I love just the the tooling and fixing. We didn't get to do that with this movie. I was so blind to everything, but I mean it was like it was like editing blind eventually. It's just like, well, I hate all of this. So I'm going to make it as fast as possible. It's like, <laughs> well, that's not that's not how this works. Like you there was no breath or time in there. So for me, I just feel like let's say there, you know, 15 cuts per minute. It feels like 15 different moments for me to be like, oh, shoot, dang it. <laughs> like, it's like a lot of cuts per minute, you know? Are you proud of the film? Yes. Are you I proud am. of the film, Whitney? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yes. Okay, can I say? Andy has seen the film. I have not yet. You need to be proud of this. Because. Uh, so, this, this, what they, these two storytellers have done <laughs> is crafted a universal time capsule Hmm. for a time in all of our lives that we will need to remember. Hmm. And there is a scene in this film that absolutely connected with my wife and I. And it was the simple act of purely getting gas at a gas station during the pandemic. Which is in the trailer, which we'll link to a Hmm. piece of it. And there is an extended, when you watch the film, there's a lot of bits to it. And and there is a baggy element to it. Absolutely resonated within I'm so our home. glad. And I think that's what our audiences will see is that, and, and this is what I expect when I, when I was looking to program this film is that I suspect we all went through moments like yeah. this. And I, there was moments where we were watching this film and I was like, they, they were watching us from our window during <laughs> this moment, you know, and, uh, and laughter is, is confession, that, right? We, we laugh because we're like, oh yeah, oh, because it. it's, yeah, yeah, we've connected with it mm-hmm. in some form. Yeah. But Your it's also witty. What? It's also sincere and it's so female forward that it's mm. proud. This is a movie that as a programmer, I am proud mm. to have in front mm. of our audiences. Uh, it is something yeah. that if if you're someone were to say to me, cry. Andy, like what you know, you're showing like uh, Leo Carax's Car- uh, new film and Net Adam Driver's in it, I'd be like, mm-hmm. eh, that's that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that I think 
needs to be discovered and oh. it needs to be talked about afterwards. And it's an honor to have this film. Tell us what Jen said about, your wife said about the film. Yeah, so uh, Jen has, n Jen and I are very difficult when it comes to comedy. Mm -hmm. I don't watch a lot of comedies. I watch a lot of depressing films. <laughs> and I say that because I, I laugh every day. And so I don't need sure. it in my movies, really. Like, I like But that. also I think like a lot of films go for the lowest common denominator of mm -hmm. comedy. Like, like a punch in a certain area is always funnier than a dialogue-based mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bit of comedy and this film is every bit of a combination of the two but it's it's smartly put together uh and so jen rolled through it uh there is a uh there's a dancing scene of stress that she <laughs> immediately related to throughout Aww. the entire thing and she said i have not laughed this hard at this film with this film with stop and go uh since bridesmaids that we said I can't even and, handle that uh, compliment. Bridesmaids. <laughs> crazy. Uh, like, yeah. And Jen is a very, like, like she is the harshest critic. In fact, she's harsh to me as well. I'll do an introduction uh, tonight for this uh, introduction, for this screening, for our overall film festival. And there's oftentimes she's in the middle of it while I'm saying, like, I love you and I thank you for everything that you've done. She's like this, cutting it off. Like, Get out. Wrap um, this thing up. Time to go. People aren't here for you. <laughs> well, I'm going um, to. And so... Uh, it, it, highest form, you know, and, and that's, we watched it again and we are, uh, it's just an honor to have this film open our festival. And it's hard because it, COVID comedy is not something I would have immediately programmed. It's very easy to sort of fall yeah. into an idea of like someone who's lost someone at COVID or someone mm -hmm. who's dealing with it. Right. Like you don't want to be insincere to that. And this film is absolutely not that it is, uh, what we all went through when we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And that's exactly the case that's going on here. And there's plenty of jokes about just the unknown mm. of what we were doing. And that, I think that's great. And we, I'll add to the cookie story over here. I, <laughs> I was in the movie industry, obviously, during COVID. That was the hardest, still is the hardest time. Yeah. Uh, and so I found myself uh, through what we uh, would call courage pies, which is uh, Little Debbie's <laughs> oatmeal cream pie. Oh, and yeah, whenever good choice, good it choice. got so hard, Jen and I would bring each other a courage pie to get mm. through the next element of our day that we oh, needed to. Oh, I sort love of stuff. That. I like it. So courage <laughs> pie. And I ate a lot of courage <laughs> That's a great, that'd be a great name for a novel. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I, I, whether you stream or go to the theater, uh, it is our duty as people who love movies to take a risk Ignore any review, go in blind, and just take this road trip with these two outstanding women <laughs> and be impressed with the work that they've done. So ignore reviews is usually good advice, but this is like 86 on Rotten Tomatoes, is it not? It's a big movie. Yeah. I, Jason Wright, we are going to be at a moment in our lives where we look back to this podcast <laughs> I agree. and we say... We knew them. We were them. Then. We were there. And I'll be we like, I'll, them. I'll shoot them a quick text to see how they're doing. And I'll get a message back that's like, I don't remember who I know. you are. I don't know you. That's not that's true. I'll never forget you. Totally totally or like right. my wife is. is sometimes where she's like, yeah, I love you too, Eddie. And it's like, <laughs> she's forgotten my wow. name at this point in time. So, so um, we're about out of time. But I want to I ask you real quick because we had the, such a treat to have lunch before we began this interview. So let me ask you, I want your gut reaction to this question. Yeah. Um, Mallory, we'll start with you. Okay. Are you doing, I want to talk, we, we share the same faith, and I know faith oh, yeah. has been important in your lives. Are you doing what you think God wants you to be doing? Yeah. It's been a strange path. Um, 
But especially when we made this movie, and I think that people might raise some eyebrows at it, um, at me saying this, because the movie has Whitney and I, uh, we are... We're just being our goofy we're just being, we're being our goofy selves. So there are some we, there's there's some crass crasser humor in it than than they might have seen. Then they might have right. like seen twelve year old scene. boy humor. So right. there's some some crasser moments, especially because we were making it from such a like raw fast place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I've never quite felt more like uh, I I just felt so confident that when we were working on it, it was exactly what we needed to be doing, exactly what I needed to be doing. And I have felt for a really long time that the the very best thing you can do for your community is show up as yourself mm-hmm. and to be honest about who you are and it, that it, it provides a safe place and home for other people like you. And um, I feel like we showed up really honest with this and imperfect in some ways. And I feel very, very good about having done it. It doesn't change that there are lots of elements better that make it hard and it's very vulnerable and mm-hmm. difficult. But I do. I do. I feel like I'm showing up as myself, and I think that that is what God, what God wants. Want. Are you doing what God wants you to do, Whitney? Um, yeah, I, I totally feel that way. I was actually just doing a um, an oracle deck with our friend Stacy from Studio C. It's basically just, you know, cards that give you, like, uh, inspiring messages, but his was animal-based. And the one that I, you know, pulled intuitively face down, it was... Um, a beaver card and it talked about how beavers use the elements to create as their foundation and it was all about how i am a co-creator with my higher power um and i feel like in every facet of my life that's it is what's driving me is taking taking the earth taking my experiences something that that i've been given by god and using that to then create something even more than myself mm. uh if i can do that to then connect to other people i'm such a i'm so big on connection i will be that person where if you want to sit down on a one-on-one and just have a vulnerable conversation i eat that for breakfast i love it so much mm. so creating stories creating this um this film was Mallory and me. It was, it wasn't anything showy. It was, it was probably what I would have shied away from because I wouldn't have felt confident enough to tell such a bare bones story as my first, um, feature out there. But because that's what we ended up doing, I'm so grateful that I was able to utilize something that is so dear, which is, um, Mallory and my friendship. Um, it, it became this, the sincerity in the film is what I have to give right now. I don't know what else I really have right now in my life except yeah. for the connections with people around me. Mm. And so to be able to share that in this movie um, has been an answer to my prayers. Love you. Love mm, that's love so beautiful. You. I'll just add, you know, God is a creator above all else, right? If, if you, We could spend hours just on this, but if you go back to the very beginning, he created. And I think he expects us to partner with him in Every sense of that word, creation, and I believe that that when we create, whether it's programming movies, making movies, writing movies, writing books, mm. making music, making mm-hmm. pottery, whenever we are creating something, we are partnering with God, and that's a pretty awesome thing. All right, 10 seconds, Andy. How do you want to be remembered at the end of your life when this interview is nothing but a memory for everyone? One thing you most want people to remember about you, Andy, go. I would like to be known as a community connector and a champion of amazing stories. Hmm, I like that. Mallory. 
I think I would like to be known for my kindness and compassion. Mm. And I hope that comes through in my work. Mm. You know, I hope people feel love. Mm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, I hope that people remember me as uh, a, a safe, soft place to be. Hmm. A safe. I, I want. I want a T-shirt that says <laughs> "Safe, soft, a safe, place soft to place to be." That sounds like an ad campaign. Uh, ladies, thank you so much. Andy, thank you so much. Thank I know you. you have a million places to be today, Woo! folks. Thanks the for tuning in to this episode of Right Where You Are. Check the show notes for links to all the good things that they are doing. Don't forget to share the episode uh, on social media, and we will see you next week. Thank you for having us, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Right Where You Are. For more information about Jason and his projects, visit him online at jasonfwright.com or on social media at facebook.com slash jfwbooks or on Instagram at jasonfwright. And be sure to subscribe to Right Where You Are wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Right Media Productions, copyright 2021 by Jason F. Wright. All rights reserved.